to God, and, um, and we're just going to uh, continue with our sermon series, Project Hope. Um, it's been a fun series as we've been going through um, uh, many different texts and scriptures, um, but looking at uh, just the idea of hope, what is hope. Scripture talks about hope, um, and it is a powerful thing. Uh, as you know, I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, faith, hope, and love are reoccurring themes. Um, and uh, our, our ability to hope is what defines us as Christians, right? It, was, it defines us as humans that we can see reality and hope for it to be different. But scripture talks about hope not just being a wish that things are different, not just an idea that maybe one day something could be different, but that we as Christians can have a hope, a belief, a confident expectation that something will happen even though we can't see it as possible now, right? That is the combination of faith, faith, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of all things there we go. Kim gets 10,000 points, all right? And so, all right, so faith is a substance. Faith is the basis. It's the foundation. It is the floor that gives us the ability to hope. Because of our faith that Jesus is real, that he did die for us, that he has, because of Christ, given us the opportunity to be in right standing, right relationship with God, that we have this ability to hope that all the things that are in Scripture are true. That God's promises are real, that we can hold true to them, that we can believe that even in our circumstances right now, if they don't show it, that what this says will be reality one day. Right? That's, that is the difference. That's what defines us as believers in Christ. That we don't allow our circumstances to dictate to us our future, but we allow the promises of God to dictate our future. That's our ability to hope. That is what we are to do. And so there's this virtue that because of who Christ is, as it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, that our hope is an anchor to our souls, that Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done, that our hope is strong and trustworthy. Last week we just talked a little bit um, and, and going through in Romans chapter 8, which is where we're going to be today. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there or turn your glowing device to, Hebrews, or to Romans chapter 8, that's where we're going to be at. But last week, starting in verse 18, uh, we just talked about the reality that hope changes our, our perspective. Hope encourages our dreams. That hope raises our expectations. And hope determines our actions. Now, Romans chapter 8, uh, as I said last week, is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Many theologians throughout time have said this is one of the most important, rich texts in all of Scripture. This is, is a powerful, powerful um, chapter. Sorry, I just had a coffee, coffee burp there. That was kind of disgusting. Just wanted to share that with you. Make sure you're awake. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those things are horrible. All right. You're like, dear Lord, this is awful. <laughs> I have no hope for this message after this point, right? <clears throat> but so hope determines our actions. That hope, it is something that so affects us that we can't just sit there and say, okay, you know what? Jesus is real. I have faith in Jesus. But here's my life. Here's my reality. And look at them as different. That when we look at Jesus, when we are aware of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, and our faith is secured in him, that that faith doesn't only keep us in our circumstances, but it helps us, it moves us, it draws us to the future that he has for us. 
right? And so faith and hope, they do things to us. They shift us. That when we see something going on, that we look at it differently. We allow ourselves to say, this is what God's word says. This is the truth. Instead of us looking at it and looking at it as a hopeless situation, we, our perspective changes. And we're able to dream about it different, dream for what God has for us. We don't say, this is who I am. This is what I can't do. This is what I've always done. This is how I've always failed. But instead we say, no, Jesus has a purpose for me, right? I've got to hope that some way he can use a failure right and if you look at scripture and you read scripture the biggest you failed the bigger loser you are the more mistakes that you've made in life guess what God's probably going to use you for something bigger right than somebody else has been successful right because the biggest screw-ups are the people that God's always chosen throughout time right so that's always good for people like me right that have weird coffee burps and awkward moments so hope, as we've been talking through this whole series, hope is our confidence, right? It's our strength. It's the force in living this life that as a follower of Christ, that, that I'm not just existing, I'm not just walking through life, that, that whatever happens to me in this life doesn't determine everything, that, that God is in control of my life, and that, that any circumstance and situation that happens, that there's a reason for it, that something good can come from it. It's what moves me. It's what keeps me as a follower of Christ. That when I wake up every day, that I'm not just going to say, okay, what does the world have to throw at me? But I can say, what does God have for me? Right? And it's two totally different ways of living and looking. That hope is the defining reality of our Christian beliefs. We've already talked a little bit about that. That hope redefines our priorities and gives new meaning, new purpose, and new life to all things. And that's what we talked about with, with generosity, that hope spurs generosity. We see and understand that God is a generous God and that he's given us everything, that he lavished his love on us, is what scripture says, that he held nothing back, that he came more than halfway to meet us where we were. This is the generous God that we love. This is the generous God that we serve and worship. And because he's so generous, when we understand that, we truly experience his generosity of Christ and, and all that is found in him, the abundant life that we talk about in John 10 10 when we know that and see that man we can't help but be generous people ourselves because we want to be like what we've received we want to be like the God that we're around we want to be like the God that we have in our lives and so what we started talking about a little bit last week is is just this reality that's a little bit easier for all of us just to kind of grasp and understand right that there's suffering in this world that there is difficulties in this world, that things happen that just make us go, why? Right? Why did that happen? And so the suffering is a reality. It's something that's present here in Paul as he's writing Romans in verse 17. He says, in, in, of chapter 8, he says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Right? That's awesome, right? Talking about God, we're the heirs of God. I mean, right? I mean, come on, think about that, right? If you were the heir to Bill Gates' estate, you would be pretty excited, right? Right? You'd be pretty excited, right? This is God, right? We're an heir to his kingdom, right? I mean, that's awesome stuff, right? So then Paul keeps writing, though, right? He says, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? Then he keeps writing, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We're like, I could do without that verse, right? I could do without that part of it, right? I could do with the, hey, I'm God's child, right? And I get all the good stuff. That'd be pretty cool, right? But wait a minute, I'm going to share in his suffering? Man, the, what this is saying, and you go through and you read scripture, Jesus himself talks about this, right? That suffering is one of the things that marks us as a follower of Christ. 
right? That suffering is something that not only should we expect, but it's something that should, we should welcome and that we should allow, right? That suffering is a reality of this life. And as Paul is going through Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18 and going all the way through 25, what Paul's talking about is that there's this sense that there's this, this groaning in the earth, there's this groaning in each one of us, that, that we, there's a sense that something's broken, there's a sense that, that, that what we see right now is not right, that we wish it was different. Even earth itself is groaning. You see this, the sufferings of, uh, of just the earth as, is, is, you know, as it is right now. I mean, all you look at the devastation of things. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're just like, I, they lived in this area for 60-some years, and they're just like, like, man, I remember up in D.C., it used to be one of the most beautiful places to drive around there in the fall. And it's like now it's just so just, it just almost looks gray in comparison to what it used to be. Because all the smog and just all the different, the, the, the impact that we have as human beings on this planet is visible, is it not? Right? We can see that. The impact that sin has on our lives and on this world, it's visible, it's evident. There's this sense of groaning that we're just like, why do I have to suffer? Why do they have to suffer? Why does this have to take place when my kids are sick, right? I just look at my kids, why do they have to be sick? I wish I could take that sickness from them. I would bear it, right? I don't like suffering. There's this groaning, there's this sense in us that things are broken. And so we look at this and it's a reality and Paul's saying hey listen this is gonna happen this is something that's gonna mark us as followers of Christ so how do we suffer well how do we suffer well as we see in 18 through 25 he again says if we started off last week hope changes our perspective that when we look at this world, when we look at the suffering, we look at the Christian life, we see all, this, all these different things that are present, that we have this understanding, we have this reality that what is to be in the future, what is promised in Christ, what is available to us in heaven, that glory is so much greater than anything we can bear now. Anything we can go through now, even the best of the best that we can go through now, pales in comparison of what it's going to be like when we're with Jesus. And that, that, that understanding, that hope, that confidence that we will be with him, that we will be perfect, that we will suffer no more, that we will be held back no more. That hope, that belief, that faith, that confidence that one day all of this will be gone. And this is all temporary. Man, it keeps us. It keeps us and it encourages us. And as we get here to verse 26 we see another reality that Paul uses to encourage us. There's four, as you go through Romans chapter 8, to encourage us to suffer well. And so today we're going to look, starting in verse 26. But before we do that, if you will, join me in praying. God, we just pray, Lord, that you just help us, Lord, uh, in these next few minutes to hear from you. And God, I pray that you enable me to speak your word through the power of your spirit for your glory. God, what you've given to me and what I believe is your word for this church this morning, God, may it excite us to live more for you, to be more dedicated to you, to be more committed to you, to chase after you. God, I pray, Lord, that you speak to us in our situations where maybe we see hopelessness. God, may we find the hope, the love, and the mercy and goodness of you. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here in verses 26 through 30, let's go ahead and read it and jump into the text here. In verse 26 in Romans chapter 8, everybody there? No, good. All right, listen up. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is the second way in which we can suffer well. First is we see, we have this faith, this belief of what is to be, right? Secondly, we know that the Holy Spirit there is there to help us in our weakness. Kevin, why did you move? Jeez. All right. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Man, I love that as, as you read that text, it's just these building blocks, right? That God's just like, here's good stuff, right? And here's even more, right? And here's even more, right? And you're just like, yeah, this is awesome, right? That's who God is. I just love that, right? So here's the reality, that there is agony, that there is suffering that is present in this life, right? Our way to heaven is through this life, right? We can't be born, enjoy like a couple years, and then just say, okay, I'm done. I don't want to go through anything bad. Go ahead and take me, Jesus, right? It's not our choice, right? Our choice is to say, you know what? I'm going to live this life for God. I'm going to live this life differently and look out at him, but we have to live this life, right? It is our reality, and there is suffering that is attached to it, and it's something that as Christians that we are going to share in. So why does this happen? What, what's the reality of it? Why does suffering take place? There's three things that I just want to point out as far as why does suffering take place, all right? I think this is it's helpful for us because a lot of times, especially as Christians, we look for the answer, right? We're trying to find the answer uh, of, of why are we suffering? Why am I going through this? And sometimes we make it bigger than it really is in, 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 in an attempt to try to explain it, but really what we're doing is, is we're pushing away responsibility, right? And so here's three things that we can look at as, as sources of suffering, First is, is because of our connection with Christ, we incur the opposition of the world, right? As a follower of Christ, as somebody who believes in Jesus, you're going to face different hardships, right? Maybe you've already faced it at some point in your life. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you will at some day. But when somebody finds out you're a Christian, they begin to maybe mock you or ask you ridiculous questions or they say things to you, right, with the intent to make you feel small about your faith or to, to kind of push away your faith and say, no, okay, I was just kidding. I really don't believe in that whole Jesus thing. <laughs> Let's go get a coffee, right? You know, whatever it is that they're trying to belittle you, right? And, and there's those realities. As we look through scripture and as we look at in the world today, it's even increasingly happening more and more that there's actually not just this, this emotional attack and suffering that's present because of our attachment to Christ, our connection to him, but there's a physical, right? That there's people that are being physically harmed, that there's being physically, they're having to suffer because of the cause of Christ. That is a reality that is in scripture, and it's not just a reality that says, hey, that may happen, but it's one that Jesus says this, it's going to happen, and if it does happen, consider it joy, right? What? That's tough, right? What do you mean? 
Secondly, here's another reason a source of suffering is because of our connection to the human condition, right? There's financial issues, there's illnesses, there's accidents, there's death, there's all kinds of things. There's hair loss, right? There's all kinds of different stuff that we just have to suffer through. God, why do I have to be bald at 19 years old, right? Do you, there's things that people deal with, right? There's sufferings, whether they're big, whether they're small, there's sufferings that we're going to just because we're a part of this world and this world is broken, right? It's just, it's a broken system. It's a broken condition because man and God have been separated. There was, there was a chasm that came and happened at Adam and Eve that caused God's intention and best will for us and earth to be separated. And because of their reality, it's a ripple effect throughout time. There is this brokenness in everything that we do. That one day that's going to be restored, and that's our hope, that's our promise, and we can't wait for that day. But right now we're here, and bad things happen, and situations that are beyond our control happen, and it's just something that we can't do, deal with. Second, or thirdly, another reason that suffering happens is just because of bad decisions. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, out of the message translation, it says this, People ruin their lives with their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? right? That we just make dumb decisions sometimes, right? There's just moments that we just do things and we're just like, you know what? We think it's the best of intention or maybe we just know it's really stupid. We just do it anyways, right? And then we get into it, we start suffering and we have this consequence and we're like, God, why did you do this to me, right? And he's just like, because you just made a dumb choice, right? So there's three realities. Some of them are outside of our control. Some of them are very much in our control, but that's how suffering takes place in our life. So what do we do with it? What does this mean to us as we look through this scripture here? In verse 18, again, as I was talking about, Paul begins to give us ways that we deal with suffering and, and how we go through that and how we look at that. We just share this really quickly. And so as we get into this one, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, how does he help us? How does he help us in our weakness? And, and, and just to keep with the theme of hope, there's four points that I have for you today. Maybe there's only three. Yep, there's only three points that I have for you today. And it's hope gives us a prayer. Hope gives us a prayer. Now, this one's going to be a little bit different for me. It's just a point that's going to be a little bit more practical on something. But this is just huge for us to get, that hope gives us a prayer. Because if we're in relationship with God and he's put us in right standing with, um, with him, right, that, God, that means that God is not elusive and just distant and far off and just saying, I hope they figure it out, right? But that God is a part of our life and that he's concerned with, the scripture talks about, the smallest of details in our lives, right? That God is there. He's a loving father who gives generous gifts, who gives loving gifts. He's a God who corrects. He's a father who disciplines. He is all of those things. And so if we're that, then we should be able to have communication with God, right? My son and daughter, they can come to me and talk to me. They can interact with me. They can tell me their worries and their fears. They can share their dreams with me, right? We, we can have moments of intimacy and when we laugh and joke and just have this crazy funny moment that just happens in that time and then Braden wants to repeat it 32 times until the point it's no longer funny, you know? But they, they, he feels the freedom to do that because we're in relationship. Why? And how does he know that relationship's there? How does he know the depth of that relationship? How does he, he understand and have this sense of confidence and who I am and who he is and, and, and his outlook on life is shaped by all of that? Because we talk. We interact. And, and, and we try to go through life so many times and we just sit there and God's just way off in the distance, not because he wants to be, but because we put him there. 
He said, God, I don't want you to speak in this situation. I don't want you to be there because it's just not quite desperate enough for you yet. All right? I, I, I can control it right now, and I got it all figured out, and so you can stay over there. And when it gets really bad and things are screwed up and I'm drowning, then I'm going to say, hey, God, what's up? Right? That, that's kind of how we live out, right? And so we say, man, God's over there, and we get in these moments and these spaces, and we're just like, ah, oh, I just feel like God's gone, and I feel like he's distant, you know? And it's, it's our choosing. It's, it's our unwillingness to say, God, I just want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk with you, Right? And this is what prayer is. And I know some of you are just like, you know, I've been in moments, though, where I, I just don't know what to pray. And the scripture talks exactly about that. And we're going to get into it in a second. But, but this scripture, a lot of time I've heard people use this scripture as an excuse as to why you don't have a strong discipline in prayer. Right? I've heard people use this. You know what? There's just times that I get into and I just don't know what to pray. And I would say, yes, that is true. That is so real. But if that is your norm, Right? then I would be concerned, right? If your norm is, is that you get into a moment and you're just like, I don't know what to pray today. And I, I just, I tried to, but it just, nothing happened. So I guess I don't need to pray today. I would say, uh, pause, I would be concerned, right? Because God wants to be in communion with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to speak into your situations and he wants to hear you dream about your situations. He wants to hear you say, God, this is yours, it's not mine. He wants to hear you say, God, what can I do with this? God, how does this change? God, what do you want from me? He wants to hear that stuff because he wants to be involved. And if we're stepping back and we're just saying, you know what, I'm not gonna have a conversation with God. I'm just gonna let it figure it out itself out. Man, I'm just, man, that's, it's cause for concern. There's moments, yeah, that you get into it, and you know, I, I've even recently, there's, God spoke to me last week, smacked me in the face with something last week, right? That, that there's been moments that I've done this, that, that I, I've allowed myself to try to carry too much of my own stuff instead of taking it to him and saying, God, let's talk about this. Let's figure this thing out together. And when I do that, I, I'm burdening myself with things. Then I cause myself to suffer, and I'm like, God, why am I suffering? Why is this not working? He's like, because you idiot, you're carrying too much, right? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's true, right? But those moments that I have connection with him and I talk with him, it helps me to see things in a different perspective. It maintains my view of hope, my view of his purpose and dream for my life. And so here's the reality as we go through and we look at this is that I think most of the times, if not always, as a follower of Christ, that we should have very articulate and direct prayers with God. That when we enter into, and we have those moments of, of, of just, where we come together with God, if it's for you every single day, and I'm not somebody that dictates it has to look like this or whatever else, but, but I, I do believe that we should throughout the day be talking with God. And I think there should be intentional moments that we are articulate with God. God, here's what's going on. God, I want to know what you want for me. God, I, here's what this moment is. God, what do you want for this moment? We, we should be articulate and we should be speaking to him like he's real, like we're in relationship with him. I think it should be very few moments that we say, uh, so, what's up? And then we just sit there and just wait, and it's like, oh, I guess he doesn't want to talk right now, right? How do we get into that space? How do we get into that, right? Here's some ways that I think they can help you get out of that, to avoid that space. And again, this is really practical. These are things that I've just experienced. They're things that, disciplines that I've developed in my life that help me to have a good prayer life, right? Maybe they help you, maybe they don't. Maybe you think I'm stupid, who knows, we'll go. <laughs> but if you find yourself there, I encourage you to do a few things. The first one is to read scripture. Good. Read scripture. Stay in love with scripture. I do all kinds of things. I don't get in ruts. I don't, I don't read routines and, and 
all those different types of stuff, you know, read through in a month or do all that. I don't do that stuff because I'm just naturally a rebellious person and I hate doing things the way people tell me to do it, right? And so I hate that and, and there's some things that I like a checklist and there's some things that I don't, right? I, I want this to be something that's real to me and I want it to be something that, that man, I can just take and as one of the prophets says, that he just literally just takes and chews on it and just literally eats the word of God, right? That I, I want this thing to be so real to me and so I, I, I change up how I read God's word all the time, right? I, I, I mark in my Bible, I highlight stuff different colors because I think it's pretty and fun, right? I write different things on there and I do different notes. I use different Bible studies at different times just to keep that thing real to me. But I read the word of God and I pray the word of God. And I go through that there's things, there's moments and there's times when I'm just sitting there, I read a verse and I'm just like, oh wow, that's so good. And so I go through and I start praying it, right? So I go through like just right now, right? Random verse, right? Um, verse 16 of chapter 8, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God, I'm your child. Man, your spirit's in me and your spirit's there to affirm that I'm your child. God, help me to know that. Help me to sense the reality of your spirit in my life, right? I go through and I pray the word of God. Dieter Bonhoeffer says it this, this way. Not what we want to pray is important, but what God wants us to pray. If we are dependent entirely on ourselves, we would probably pray only the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. But God wants it otherwise. The richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? Man, he's so smart. Listen, you go through and you read scripture and you look at the Lord's Prayer. There's nine different things that you can break out in the Lord's Prayer that you can pray specifically in your life, right? If you just took that, that would extend your time in prayer, right? If you just went through and prayed nine things, probably eight more things than we normally have to pray for, right? And so go through and just do that. Reading scripture, praying scripture, it makes a difference. It tunes your heart to the heart of God and helps you to say, God, I just, I want to know what you have for me, right? I make lists. All right, I use two different apps, all right? I use Evernote, and there's another app. It's an actual prayer app. It's called Echo, all right? Those two things right there. Echo, it's a pretty cool one. Um, it's, it's just, you can create lists. You can put time um, things on it. You can say, hey, on this date, I want to pray for this person, and I want to pray for him for five minutes. And then it reminds you, and then it's got a timer. It's really awesome, right? Everlist, I have notes, or I have, a, I have different notebooks and different notes, and I go through and I keep list of things that need to be prayed for. I listen as people are talking. Hey, here's what's going on in my life, and here's what's going on in my situation. I put it in my phone. I put it in Evernote. I put it in Echo. I make lists. I listen so that may, I guess, here's what this person needs. Here's what's going on in this person's life. Here's what's going on in the life of the church. Here's what's going on in, in my kids' lives. Here's what's going on in my school, here, you know, in their schools. And so I go through it, and I make notes. I listen to people, and I take notes on what's going on, and it creates these prayer lists for me. As you think, make notes and go back to them, right? Sometimes you're sitting there, and you're driving down the car, and you're just like, oh, wow, that's a really good word, and man, God, oh, I need to pray for that person, or I need to do this, and then you just forget about it, right? Or maybe you're in the shower, right, and you're just sitting there, and you're just like, oh, right, I need to pray for this, right? I don't know if God just speaks to me in the shower. I don't know what it is, right? So that, at least I use that excuse of why I take 30-minute showers. But so you go through, and like, you know, it's like God speaks to me. I, I try to make it a discipline. I go, and I put that in a note so that I can be reminded of it again in the future so that I can pray about it again. Making lists, it makes a difference. Maybe not for you, but it helps me, right? So here's real quick. Again, just real quick, real practical, right? Here's a list that I make. Praise, right? Praise. That's my first one. And I go through, and I pray for salvation. I just praise God for salvation, that I'm right with Jesus, 
that I'm right with God because of Christ. I pray and I, I thank him for his word of God. Psalms 18 verse 30 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. Right? I thank him for his word. I thank him for the guidance of his word. I thank him for the Holy Spirit. I thank him for his grace and mercy. And I thank him for activity in my life. I thank him for the provisions he's given me. I thank him for the opportunities he's given me. I thank him for family. I thank him for ministry and calling. I thank him for relationships. Right? And I go through and there's just things that sometimes I just say, God, thank you for the relationships you've given me. And sometimes I say, God, thank you for the relationships. And I start naming specific people and I thank for those people. Right? Then I go through and I pray for my family. I pray for people. Then I pray for situations. And lastly, I pray for myself. And I find oftentimes by the time I get to number five, I'm like, cool, God, I'm good. Right? And what used to dominate my mind and dominate my heart is now no no longer an issue. Right? Listen, as we go to God and we, we say, God, I just want to know your word. I want to love your word. And I know that you're a God who's real and a God who wants to be close to me and a God who wants to be in relationship with me and interact with me. You're a God that wants to commune with me and talk with me. When you have that understanding, it gives you the sense of hope, right? That you enter your day not alone, not isolated, but connected to the God of this universe, right? Then you start trying to find ways to discipline that and do that. If you just go through and make lists, I'm just telling you, like for me, I just start just reading my list, right? Right now, I'm way off on my timetable right now of where I want to be for my sermon, right? Because I just read my list, right? My, my, my prayer time, if I just read the single words that I have, my prayer time would never be less than 10 minutes, right? And so like just doing that discipline, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to take these moments just to be with you. And it's not about the time, but it's to say, God, I want to take these things to you. Because listen, hope comes from not what can I do and give to God. Hope comes from what God has done for me and what he's offered to me. And what he's offered to me is this reality that I'm in relationship with him. And so when I come into moments of prayer, I'm saying, God, what's up? I need you today. I want to know what you have for me today. God, I just want to be with you. And if I do that on a regular basis, guess what? Hope builds up in my heart for what can be. It raises my expectations. It gives me the ability to dream bigger. It helps me to look at things differently because I've been in his presence and I've been with him. Prayer makes a big difference. And so I'm just telling you, when you are walking in your relationship with God, if you're in a place of saying, I don't really ever pray because it's just something that doesn't work for me, find a way for it to work with you because you're having Heavenly Father wants to talk with you. And if you talk with him and spend time in his presence, you get to know him and you know his heart. And guess what? You start doing the things that are in his heart for you. But if you don't talk with him, you can't know those things. And so that's one of the stupid decisions that we make is that we say, God, I don't want to talk to you. And then we end up suffering just because we don't know what God wants for us. And oftentimes what happens, the reason that we can't pray is because we're not, concerned about, we're not concerned about God's will and God's kingdom. We're too concerned about our will and our kingdom. And if we would just shift that and say, God, I'm concerned about your will and your kingdom, guess what happens? Your situations decrease. The importance of them decrease. The weight of them decreases. And guess what increases? God, his power, his mercy, his goodness, his provisions. All of those things get increased. And you look at things differently. What now is a bill that can't be paid is a bill that will be paid somehow, right? What is a a family member that is suffering and far from God is a family member that one day will have a story like nobody else's that will help others come to know Jesus Christ, right? What now is a broken car is going to be a story of something that you can celebrate and share and say, God did this and it's crazy, imaginative. Look at God can do. He does things that I can't even explain, right? 
When you look at situations differently because you've been in his presence, then you can live the life of hope that is found in Christ, and you can share that life of hope with others. And that's what this world needs. It's not another person that's trying to figure out something and try to give their way to define God. It's a, it's, it's, this world needs people saying, I know who God is because I know what he's done for me. And it's going to be different for you, but he's a God that wants to be in your life, and he's a God who wants you to know him. And I know that. And he made it possible because of Christ. Let that change your life. Let that be a sense of hope. So we got to pray. I was going to spend a lot of time on this part, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time. So maybe we'll talk about this another day. Because there's these moments where we do get into these places where we don't know how to pray. We literally, because of, because of the suffering, because of the, just the, the weight of the situation, because the enormity of what's happening, and, and, and you might share it, and somebody else goes, whatever, dude, just get over it, right? But for you, it's real, it's personal, it's dark, it's heavy, it's weighty, and you literally don't even know how to share with another human being what you're feeling. That there's those things that happen, there's those realities that are present for you, that you will take those things and you will have those things that need to be brought to God. And you won't know what to pray. I think as a follower of Christ, that our moments that we don't know what to pray are not because we just have no idea what to pray, but that they're so heavy and they're so in need of God's touch that those things are so deep that we just don't even know what to say. Those are the moments that we say, God, I just, God, if you could, right? We just find ourselves in those moments. Why does it have to be this way? Why does it have to be that way? Those places are real. What I love about this scripture is, and we don't even have time to get through all of this stuff because there's even more that I want to get to, is that what this is, it's a promise to us that God's Holy Spirit is interceding within us to God. We have Jesus sitting next to God saying, this is your child, right? You look at them, not for who they are, but you look at them through what I've done. That's what Jesus is doing right there, right? So you're sitting there just going, I'm a screw up, I'm a mess up, I keep failing God, I keep doing this, I keep doing this. And Jesus is like, Jesus is like, those things aren't there. Look at them, look how perfect they are. That's your kid. Look what they're doing, right? That's what Jesus is doing. And then also we have the Holy Spirit within us that's interceding for us. That's taking, this scripture, literally what it's saying here is that our sighs are intelligible words to God. That when we're in these places that we just feel this, this, this just sense of hopelessness, where we feel this sense of just like, I can't, God, I just don't even know what to do. And I just, the weight, the loss, the suffering, it just destroys our words. That just our breath are words that carry to heaven. And that God hears them. It's the size of his children. And he speaks and he listens and the Spirit intercedes, and God says, I, I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. Verse 28, it says, all things are going to work out. All things are going to work out for good. I got you. You don't even have to take these words. You don't even have to find some way to stand there. And you say, if I just pray loud enough, God will fix it. If I just yell loud enough, God will fix it. If I just be real enough and raw enough and cuss at God, then God will fix it, right? No, this, whatever, right? Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you shouldn't actually. But you, you get into these places that, but you just literally, you don't know what to pray. Don't force something, right? 
Just say, God, I, I literally, I'm so heavy and I'm so burdened and I've read your word and, I, and I, I've taken this to you. I've sought counsel. I just, this thing, it's yours. Just, just breathe, just sigh. Just the pain that you've, those are words that God hears. And there's this hope that you can take in that, that God is with you, that God is walking with you, that God is listening, that he's aware. When you're like, it's, God is so far. How can God even care? He's got to be so distant because of how real this is and how painful this is. You're just like, oh, that God is there, that you don't even have to have the words to say to him. This morning when I walked into Ryland's room, we woke up extra early. And uh, well, I woke them up extra early, and I walked into Ryland's room, and Ryland was laying in her bed, and you know, we keep our house really cold in the winter. It's awesome when we sleep, right? We believe more <laughs> blankets, right? More blankets is better than heat, right? And so, and by the way, I'm going to go over today, so just heads up. And so she's all underneath her blankets, and she's just sitting there, and she's underneath, and she just, she sees me poke her head into her dark room, and she just goes, mm, Right? She didn't even say anything, and I knew that meant, Dad, I just need to cuddle, right? And even if that's not what she meant, that's what I took it as, right? <laughs> and so just went in there, and I just snuggled up next to her, and she just grabbed my hand, and she pulled it, and she just, just as tight as she possibly could. Man, God loves us so much. You don't have to say the right thing at the right time. When you're seeking him and his kingdom, and you're putting him first, you're going to go through suffering and you're going to go through difficult situations, not because God hates you, but because you're in a broken world. You're, you're going to discover loss and you're going to see people devastate you and you're going to see things that, that should be right that are wrong. You're going to have people that you just, you just like, man, oh, this is going to make such a difference in this relationship. It's going to be so meaningful, whether it's a friend, a significant other, whatever else. And they're just going to disappoint you. They're going to downright devastate you, Right? You're going to be going through life, and you're going to be healthy, and things are going to be good, and then all of a sudden, bam, something happens that you just can't even explain. And it's not because you didn't have enough faith, and it's not because you didn't do something right. It's because we're in a broken world. Sin is present, and sin has marked everything. But more than that, Jesus has marked us as his. And no matter what you're suffering through, you can not only endure that suffering, but you can suffer well. Because God has given you a promise. He's given you a hope that is a future with him and it's in perfection and it's bigger and better than anything you can ever experience here on this planet. And that as you are hoping for that and striving for that, that he is present with you. That he is with you and in your weakness, in those moments when you say, God, I'm just at such a loss. The weight of this broken world, the weight of this broken relationship, the weight of this suffering. God, I want it to be gone. And you can't even say anything that God is there to strengthen you in that moment. Amen. Secondly, hope gives us patience. So hope gives us a prayer and hope gives us patience. See, hope accepts the reality of our circumstances, but expects something greater than the seen outcome. What happens is our tendency as a follower of Christ, our tendency, and just, just as people in general, you even see this people that aren't Christians, right? That when the worst of the worst happens, right, what do we say? Why did that happen, right? 
Why does God let bad things happen to good people? I mean, that's one of the biggest questions that anybody will present that's trying to reject God. Why does bad things happen, right? That's a question, why? Let me just encourage you, and let me just say this, and I'm going to blow through this point here really quickly. That our response as a follower of Christ is to endure our, pa- endure our sufferings, to suffer well with patience. No matter what it is, no matter what's taking place, that we say, as God's word says, that it's going to work out for the good. That it, it, it's, it just downright sucks right now. Hopefully you're okay that I said that. It just, it's awful right now. But some way, somehow, I'm going to be better. Somebody's going to be better. Something bigger and better is going to happen for God and his kingdom. That's what's going to happen. And that we just have patience in that moment. That we trust and believe that it's going to work out. That we look at our situations and we don't just sit there and just say, God, why did this happen? But we said, instead ask this question. And I believe that this is something that we should be as followers of Christ that we should say. This should be our conditioned response when suffering happens. Our knee-jerk reaction is going to be like, why did this happen? Why is this taking place? We need to process it as a human. But we cannot stand there. We cannot reside there. We cannot make that our house, right? Our response should be, God, what now? What now? What do you have for me now? God, what do you want for me now? As you go through and you read this verse here in, Acts, or in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, God knew his people in advance, for he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Third, hope shapes us. When we're going through situations and when we're going through difficult moments, those circumstances, those difficult moments of suffering, those moments where people have just devastated you, those moments where you've faced sickness and you've faced all kinds of uh, uh, ramifications because of that sickness, those times where you lost your job, those times when just your stories or some some, some of your stories, when you share it, it's like, oh, how did you make it through it? But yet you, you stayed and you maintained and you walked through it because you looked at it and you said, God, what do you have for me now? Maybe you're learning to ask that question, God, what do you have for me now? Maybe you're just now starting to process that. But as you do that, you begin to see that those things happen so that God could shape you and help you to become something that he wants you to be. That he shapes us, that he knew us, that he knows his children and he wants us to be like Christ. And then as we go through this life and as we go through this, this world that is broken, that is full of pain, that is full of turmoil, that as we go through it and we allow God to shape us and mold us and help us to look not at our circumstances, but instead to look at our heavenly father and the kingdom that he has for us the place that he wants us to be instead of the place that we are when we go through that he begins to shape us to be more and more like his son hope shapes us when we're in difficult situations and we allow ourselves to get consumed by them instead of allowing ourselves to look forward and have a bigger hope for the future we allow ourselves to be shaped by our circumstances And that's when hopelessness begins to take place. That's when you begin to get cold-hearted. That's when you begin to come distant to people and family. That's when you begin to come just uh, just carefree about responsibilities. You just begin just to move further and further and further away from the life that you want to live. And you're way far away from the life that God wants you to live. 
But when you step into it, instead of saying, God, why, you say, God, what now? What do you have for me? God, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? God, what's something that needs to be changed to me through this situation? God, how can I respond? As you do that, God begins to shape you and help you to become more like your son. If worship, or his son. If the worship team, go ahead and come up. I know we're a few minutes away from when we're supposed to be ending. But I told you like 10 minutes ago I was going to go over. <clears throat> I, I just want us to have a moment and a time where we truly just come and say, God, I, I know some of us, we're, we're going through some stuff. And one of the, the advantages and one of the benefits of being a part of a church is that we're here to carry things together. And I want us to have a moment where we can just pray and just go into God's presence and we say, God, there's, there's some difficult things that I'm dealing with and I don't know what to pray. Be encouraged that he's there with you, that he's hear you, even if you don't know the words to say, that he's listening. And take heart, be strengthened. The Holy Spirit's leading you, God, let him shape you, let him direct you. But maybe there's a moment that you can have where somebody can pray into your situation. There's a word of faith, a word of direction, a word of correction that can be given that can help you to say, God, I'm looking to you instead of myself now. And so I want us to take some time to pray and to say, God, what now? What are you doing now? Help shift me. And maybe it just starts with you just saying, God, here's the situation. I need healing. I need help. I need provision. I need restoration. Whatever it is, we're going to have people here to pray with you. But listen, as he begins to shape us, he begins to take our mind off of things. He moves us from thinking about ourselves to thinking about God and Christ and heaven. Instead of looking at the vanity of the things that we need, we look at his goodness and his grace and we look at the things that we need from God. In Matthew, no, this is Romans, sorry. Romans chapter eight, verse 29, the message translation, it says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. And as you go through these moments and these times, there are times that God has been using to shape you to be like Christ. Christ suffered greatly. He suffered patiently, and he suffered well. And it's one that we should follow, and it's one that we should expect. But it's one that we don't have to do alone. It's one that we don't have to go through and to say, okay, God's wishing these things upon me. But instead, it's saying we're a part of a broken world, but I have a hope that keeps me, and a hope that sustains me, and a hope that's going to carry me through this. And when I come on the other side of it, for my benefit and the glory of God, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be bigger. And even in the moments when I just don't even know what to do, and I just want to throw my hands up, that the Holy Spirit is there, and God hears even the things that I cannot articulate to Him. 
That's the God that is with me. That's the God that cares for me. That's the depth of his love for me. That's his willingness to carry me and to help me to be the person that he wants me to be for him and his glory. So if that's you, I want you just to come up here as you feel ready. We have a couple people on this side, a couple people on this side. I'll be here. Just come up and say, hey, here's my situation. You say, I just don't even know what to say. And we'll just pray and we'll see what God does. This is a moment as a church that we have an opportunity to say, God, we need intervention. God, we need you to move. We need you to do something. And God has called us to come together and to pray. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. And so that's what we're going to do. And I believe that as we do this, that we're going to experience God just moving in us. And if anything, just speaking peace and speaking strength into our hearts and into our situations. As we pray, I want to pray as you just, I want to make sure you know as a church that Pastor Fred is currently with his father right now who's in transition of ending his life. And so he's been suffering from Parkinson's for quite some time. And so he's at the end of his road and he's lived his life well for God and he's lived his life big for Jesus. And so for them, there's, there's pain of loss and there's a sadness to the terminal state of life. But there's this hope and there's an excitement that very soon his dad's gonna be running with Jesus and know what he's been waiting for. Zach Kuhn is currently there with his grandfather right now who just passed away. They were going to have uh, their, one of their, what they thought might be their last Thanksgivings with their grandfather. They didn't even make it down there. He passed away before it even happened. When I talked to Zach, Zach's like, hey, you know what? I'm sure it might hit me at some point, but the biggest thing I can't stop thinking about right now is that he's not suffering anymore, that he's free, he's in heaven right now. And I know he's giving the apostles a hard time and he's asking them all the hard questions that he's always wanted to ask, right? And he's like, man, just thinking about my grandfather up there hanging out with his mom and, and you know, just heckling the apostles, man, it just makes me smile. Our hope is for what God has for us in the future. And at the same time, it's a hope that says, even in the worst of the worst of the worst situations, that God can keep me, sustain me, move me, direct me, shape me, and that I come out of this thing better and stronger and more like Jesus. We're able to walk with joy. We're able to walk with hope, confidence, strength, and peace because the Spirit is there to help us in our weakness. God, we just pray right now. We pray for our church. We pray for our pastor. We pray for our friends. God, we pray for those in this room that are even today that are dealing with sufferings. God, that they can't even articulate, that I couldn't even begin to comprehend on my own level. They're real to us. They're personal to us. But God, what we pray in this moment is that each one of those circumstances and situations, God, that they do not define us, but instead they become opportunities for us to know your goodness and your grace, your mercy and your love at a whole new level. God, that we don't look at it, throw our hands up and say, why did you let it happen? But we say it happened. We're a part of a broken world. Death is a reality. Pain is a reality. Suffering is a reality. But one day that will be gone. But even in the now, it is still here. And in that, you are with me. You are helping me. You are strengthening me. And so, God, we look at it and we say, God, why did this happen? We say, God, what now? What do you have for me now? What do you want me to do now? God, how do you want me to respond? Let that be our heart. Let that be who we are as a church, as followers of Christ. And may you use us and shape us. So God, as we take the time just to sing a song here and, and take a moment just to pray as a church together, God, I pray that you move in our hearts, that you build our faith, that it be a strong foundation for a hope 
that is real and true. And God, that that hope be received because of the love that has been given through Christ. And that we walk out of this place knowing that we are your children. God, your children that you will care for and love well in all circumstances. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.